With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. We are here once again to bring you the latest updates in Major League Baseball, specifically concerning your Colorado Rockies. This is the Purple Row Major League Podcast. Purple Row is the Rockies affiliation of SB Nation. As always, I am Mac Wilcox, joined by my two best buds, my two best and brightest when it comes to Rockies baseball, Evan Lang. Hey, how's it going? And Skylar Timmons. What's up, homies? Yeah, love it. <laughs> so uh, thanks as always for listening in. Happy to have you here, you know, in the airwaves as we discuss the uh, happenings of Rockies baseball over the last week. We're recording on Friday as the Rockies are beginning to start game two of their series against the St. Louis Cardinals. So we'll kind of start the podcast like we've been doing the last few weeks, a little icebreaker, a little way for you guys to kind of get to know us better. And uh, Skylar had a really cool idea for us this week, so we're going to go ahead and lead off with his uh, suggestion, which is, I'll start with Skyler. In fact, here, what are y'all's top three favorite baseball video games? What do you guys hold close to your heart for your baseball video games? Okay, so I've played a ton of, I played a lot of video games. Uh, that's how I spend most of my time. But oddly enough, I spend a lot of time playing baseball ones and a lot of great memories with them. So coming in at number three is a little game that was on the Nintendo Entertainment System called Base Wars. I don't know if you guys have ever Base heard of this Wars. game. No, I haven't. Is that the one with, like, so robots? This... Yes. Yeah, so it's these robots playing baseball. So there's, like, a UFO-type one, a motorcycle one, a tank one, just a regular, like, arms and legs robot playing baseball. But the cool thing is, is if there's a play at one of the bases or at the plates, it then cuts to a fighting segment Get out. where the base – like the fielder and the batter or the base runner then fight and whoever wins the fight gets the base or gets the out. And so I just remember playing that game all the time with my brother, with my that brothers. That so cool. It's a pretty legit game, like robots fighting and baseball. What more could you want? What more could you want? That's awesome. That sounds goofy as heck. I love it. I would it's, absolutely play that. It reminds me of an so SNES game called Bill Lambeer's Combat Basketball, if any of y'all heard of that. That's a deep cut, too. <laughs> but uh, then coming in at number two is one of my favorite games. Uh, I still love playing it now, Mario Baseball. Of course. Uh, both for the GameCube and the Wii. I just love both of them. Classics. Uh, just such classics, simple, fun kind of arcadey baseball with that Mario flair to it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Toad is my powerhouse. <laughs> Don't be hating on my boy. He's got that sneaky pop. I get it. So <laughs> then what's true. number one? <laughs> so number one, it's kind of bland, but MLB the show. Of course. Uh, that above nine times out of ten, when I go to play a video game, I'm probably playing MLB the show, playing my franchise mode, leading my Rockies to the World Series. I think I'm on my current. I think I've won three World Series in a row. In <laughs> franchise mode. May, I'm rebuilding the team. I made all kinds of trades. What's your three. most controversial trade you've made while GMing the Rockets in the show? So, because I'm still on MLB The Show 20s, but using the roster vault, getting mm-hmm. more updated rosters. In my current one, <laughs> I traded away Trevor Story. Oh, man. Got a bunch of good prospects for him, and also had to trade away Charlie Blackman. Oh, wow. I just kind of tore down that roster and started rebuilding. Yeah, you did. That's crazy. Worked out out pretty good. I was going to say, at three World Series titles, you're doing something right. 
the Rockies looking for their new general manager of the future. Maybe call up Skyler Timmons. He's got uh, some success to his resume so far. <laughs> Evan, top three baseball video games. So this is really tough for me because I, like Skyler, play a lot of video games. And I have been playing baseball video games since I was very, very young. Uh, so my number three may be a little bit of a deeper cut. If y'all remember the triple play baseball franchise from EA sports back in the late nineties, uh, play. my favorite one was probably triple play 2001. If only because one of the intro videos it would play had Todd Helton in it sometimes. Nice. But it was very, very simple arcadey baseball, but it did have some simulation elements to it. And it had lots of cool unlockables. Like uh, there was an island stadium that you could unlock. There was a stadium on the moon that you could unlock and oh. just blast like 900 foot dingers. Nice. <laughs> it looks absolutely awful by today's standards. I loaded it up a couple weeks ago and everything is so blocky and pixelated. Cause of course. It's the, early early days of 3d graphics but it's still really fun honestly it's part of the charm right definitely and especially because i get so nostalgic for it that it's worth revisiting for me uh it was on ps1 and pc and then my number two is actually going to be mlb the show Mm. and i love mlb the show and i absolutely hate mlb the show i do not think there is a game (laughs) that I get angrier playing because I'm a, I, I do diamond dynasty, the online mode, except I'm absolutely terrible at it. Sure. And so you just get crushed again and again and again. And sometimes the little missions, the single player missions can be frustrating. And I legitimately don't think there's a game I get more angry at playing than MLB the show, but it's the best modern option out there right now. Sure. So I don't really have much of a choice. But Road to the Show is really cool, and I've actually never done a franchise mode. I keep meaning to, and then I never do it. Hmm. And then... Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just... I never tried it. Maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll try it for the show. Yeah, let's (laughs) know how it goes. And then my number one baseball game of all time probably not a surprise to a lot of people and not exactly an exciting option is MVP baseball 2005. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was convinced I was going to be the only one to say that exact game. It is. It's pretty much consensus. The best baseball video game of all time. That is crazy. It was the last entry in the franchise, but it really just is pretty much perfect on every level. It's so good. It's so good. It is. I still keep my PS2 hooked up to play that game. Wow, that's so crazy. So I was going to say MLB The Show 2005 because I, uh, or excuse me, MVP Baseball 2005. I was like so sure no one else is going to say that game. That's the first baseball video game I ever played was MVP Baseball 05 with Manny Ramirez on the cover. And I was like enraptured. I was like, this is so sick. It's so much fun. And yeah, that game is like an all timer for me. Um, I dabble in out of the park baseball. Um, sometimes that's like the ultra simulator um, GM mode. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of screens, a lot of graphs, things like that. I do. I do think that game is fun. Uh, it's a little overwhelming sometimes, but if anyone's really into like the really it, less the baseball playing part of it and more just like the operational side of it. Out of the park baseball is awesome. They have really great uh, updated rosters, and they always add new features every year, so they're really fun. And then, yeah, the show, of course. That's the gold standard when it comes to baseball sims. Uh, I, with, I'm with you, Evan. I have been very frustrated. Like, I was telling Skyrim before we came on the air today, I'm awful at the show. Uh, I, I have always been bad at that game. I try my hardest, and I try and get better, but I'm just not very good at it. I do think it's a blast to play, especially with some friends. One of my buddies will come over, we'll just go to the polo grounds, and just absolutely start you know, lifting the ball and start playing games 29 to 32. Uh, total mockery of the game of baseball, but that's always that's always a favorite of mine. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, M- MVP baseball. I had that on GameCube. That's an all-timer for me. That's awesome that we're bringing that back. Cool. Thank you both, man. I love I love doing stuff like that. We'll keep doing things like that as we go forward, uh, just so, you know, a little icebreak to start these shows. But 
all good things must come to an end. So let's get into the actual news of the week. So as we record here, like I said, we are recording on Friday, July the 2nd. June has now wrapped up and we're going to kind of do a bit of a month in review. So there's a lot of things that we took out of this past month with Rockies baseball. Specifically, this is actually a decent month for the Rockies. Uh, they had a really, really solid home record. Obviously, the road record still not what they want it to be. But in general, the Rockies have played a lot better recently. And part of that is on the back of their phenomenal starting pitching. Herman Marquez has turned into a top-flight starter. He struggled at the start of the season, but recently he has been unbelievable. Very nearly coming into a no-hitter. Uh, he was just three outs away from a no-hitter recently at Coors Field. Uh, Sensatella, Antonio Sensatella has pitched very well. Uh, we've seen some good stuff out of John Gray recently. Um, is there anything that you guys are seeing specifically that makes you, you know, kind of uh, lead you to believe that this is something that's going to continue? Or I guess really just what's your take on the starting pitching of the Rockies recently? Evan, I'll start with you because you and I were talking about this the other day. But where, I mean, where do you guys think this is going to lead them? Is it sustainable? I guess what's your general take on it? I. I'm a big proponent of, believe it or not, the way the Rockies do starting pitching is that you have to develop starting pitching from within just because of the environment. And it um, really doesn't hurt that our AAA affiliate is also at elevation uh, down in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. So I think the homegrown approach really does work because look at all of our pitchers. They are all homegrown. And the one I want to start with, the most homegrown of them all, is Kyle Freeland finally starting to turn mm -hmm. it around in his last two starts. So Kyle Freeland, we talked about last time, was really not doing well after coming off the injured list. And then in his last two starts, he's been great. He looks like himself again. So on June 16th, he played against the Padres. He got absolutely shelled. He only lasted yep. three and two-thirds innings. He turns back around on his next start, June 22nd against the Mariners. He pitched six innings of one-run baseball, gave up five hits, and struck out seven with only one walk. And then uh, his next start, June 28th against the Pirates, he came back and did that again with seven strikeouts in five innings, and it was a shutout. And the only reason he didn't keep going after five innings was he came up kind of awkward uh, running the third base after, I believe he reached on an error, he had reached base two times. Mm -hmm. And on the second trip around the bases is when he got hurt. Uh, and they don't think it's anything serious. They are expecting him to make his scheduled start. But if he can keep this up and be the Kyle Freeland that we know he can be, and we talked about it being that maybe he's just trying to get his mojo back after being hurt for so long, mm -hmm. and then thrust back into major league level pitching, that I'm a Kyle Freeland guy. And I think he can excel. We know he can excel. In 2018, he was fourth in voting. Sure. And he's such an important piece of this rotation that with everyone else doing well, he's one of the two lefties in the rotation, and with everyone else doing so well, and when Austin Gomber comes back, I think this rotation really is good because straight up, in the games that we look terrible in, Sometimes the starters have a bad game, but nine times out of ten, it's the bullpen that loses it, or the offense failing to get off the ground, especially sure. on the So, I want to believe that our rotation of Marquez, Sensatela, Freeland, Gomber, and uh, Gray is sustainable at the rate they're going. Yeah, I love it. I think you're spot on. And especially Kyle Freeland making that turn is so great for them after how he's kind of struggled the last couple seasons. Skyler, what do you say? I say a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I agree, uh, especially with this starting rotation. Uh, it's one of the – they're the highlight of this season for the Rockies. And uh, going through just research and prepping for this episode and talking about it, it's just kind of interesting looking at a lot of their team stats – Overall, for the starters, mm -hmm. you know, roughly six starting pitchers that we've had. It's Marquez, John Gray, Austin Gomber, Sensatella, Freeland, and Chichi Gonzalez, who's been pretty serviceable mm -hmm. uh, in the starting role. But overall, as a team, their 
Got a 439 ERA. It's probably about middle of the pack, uh, about 19th or so in the league in all of baseball. People are always bragging on the Cardinals. They're at a 4.34 ERA, mm-hmm. so not much higher than the Rockies' starting rotation. Rockies, they've really improved on their on limiting walks, especially the starters. I think that was something that was really detrimental detrimental to them in the first month or so, yeah. that they were just walking guys. They're still not striking out a whole lot of people. They're league worst, about seven and a half strikes per nine innings. Mm-hmm. But they're allowing about three walks per nine innings. That's probably around middle of the pack with the rest of the league. But the big thing for me is their ability to limit home runs and keep the ball on the ground. Because they're in the they're first in the league in ground ball percentage at a 50.6% ground ball rate. Wow. Which is amazing. That's number 1 in the league, which has kind of been the philosophy that's always kind of been preached in Colorado that oh it's get sinker ballers, let's keep the ball on the ground. And they finally have a group of guys that can do that because they're in the top 10 of limiting home runs, about 1.15 home runs per nine innings. So they're keeping the ball on the ground, keeping it out of the air, and utilizing that defense behind them goes a long way. And like we were saying, Ramon Marquez, Kyle Freeland, when he gets rolling, keeps the ball down. He has a lot of success. Austin Gomber has just been really good at home especially, and John Gray. So having this entire rotation of guys that can be serviceable, get you through five, six innings, keep it a close ball game, and limiting home runs, it's a recipe for success. It's just building out that bullpen and getting that offense to support them has kind of been the trouble this year especially. Yeah. Skyler, there's a couple things you mentioned there that I want to – go into a little bit more detail on the first one is that you're talking about keeping the ground keeping the ball on the ground and you also mentioned the the lower strikeout percentage and what's interesting about that is that you know two of our main rotation guys Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sensatella are not necessarily strikeout pitchers they are pitch to contact Mm -hmm. ground ball pitchers but it's working and the Rockies are actually uh, turning double plays that are very good clip because of this ground ball percentage. The Rockies are third overall in Major League Baseball with 76 double plays turned behind only the Mariners and the Red Sox. And earlier in the season, they were leading in double plays turned. And I think that's really important because the Rockies did use to emphasize the sinker baller usage, but that's sort of they've eased off back on it. And now they emphasize keeping the fastball low and the development of change-ups in all their pitchers. That is something that every single one of our starters has a pretty solid change-up. And they're using it very effectively, and they're doing so especially at home. Like, uh, I believe it's still the case that almost all of our pitchers have better ERAs at home than on the road. And that was always the thing of, you need to solve pitching at Coors Field. And it seems like we might be there, or be getting to that point where there is a solid strategy to develop and utilize starting pitching at Coors Field. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was looking at their stats for at home, and pretty much everybody has a sub-4 ERA, basically at least our top four guys. Kyle Freeland, he still needs more starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez is about 4.68 ERA in the starts that he's had. But still our main guys, Armand Marquez, John Gray, Austin Gomber, Antonio Senzatella have been phenomenal at home, kind of debunking that myth of pitchers can't pitch at Coors Field. Mm -hmm. And here's at least four guys right now that are very serviceable. We had a guy that almost threw a no-hitter. We've had multiple almost no-hitters at Coors Field in our history from Rockies pitchers. And, you know, guys like Austin Gomber, he's got a 1.48 ERA at home. And he's a 167 average against. Uh, three of our guys, Marquez, Gray, and Gomber, opponents are batting under 200 on each of them. And that, it's just phenomenal to look at just this mind-boggling. They're pitching at Coors Field. They're doing it. They're debunking this myth that you can't have success. And I think like what Evan talked about, it works better if you can get young guys 
and kind of mold them here. Whereas instead of trying to go for like kind of the middle of the line, mediocre pitcher that we've kind of tried to sign in the past and it works better, build them here and teach them, get them adjusted to it. So they can kind of learn it instead of, you know, trying to debunk everything they've known before, but kind of molding them to be successful at altitude and it's paying off and a lot of success and it's good to see. Well, I was going to say, I think you both nailed a point in particular. You guys have great stats. You guys both mentioned the averages and limiting the walks. But one thing I think you both mentioned that I love is the building from within, right? How long have we wanted a rotation that is really competitive at altitude, right? How long have the Rockies been known as just a team that will bludgeon you to death? Well, that's not the case anymore. You guys all said Gomber. You said Gray. You said Marquez. You said Freeland. That's four legitimate starters that will pitch well at altitude. And that's not been heard of before for the Colorado Rockies franchise, really. There have been teams uh, that have had really decent rotations. They've had good pitchers before. And as a side note to that, uh, if you guys are listening, um, you know, make sure you check out Sam Bradfield, our editor-in-chief, had a really nice rock pile uh, this morning, July 2nd. If you guys have not read that on the site, feel free to go back and do so. She has a really good breakdown of the careers of Herman Marquez and Ubaldo Jimenez, two pitchers that are considered some of the best Rockies history. Uh, you can kind of look at her article and it breaks down just like the success that they've both had. But, you know, Ubaldo was the fr- was the top flight guy, right? He was that starter. He was that ace. Well, now Marquez is probably considered the ace by most. But look at all the help he's got. When Sensatella is on, he's on. I mean, myself and Evan, we both went to the game uh, yesterday, uh, Nolan Arenado's return on the first, which we'll get to here later on. And Evan, how about Sensatelli yesterday? You know, seven strong innings looked great. Yeah, he was fantastic. And it's been really funny. So both the games I've gone to this season, uh, Sensatella was the starting pitcher and had seven really strong innings. Mm-hmm. And when Sensatella is on, he really is on. And I've been one of the believers in him for a really long time since right before there with he you. got his initial start because he skipped AAA and went straight from AA to the majors for his debut season. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, it's not sustainable. He can't last. He needs to develop more. He needs to develop more pitches. And he has developed more pitches. He got that changeup working. He's not a strikeout guy. He'll strike out a decent amount. Like, um, I believe he had four or five strikeouts last night. But he's a ground ball contact pitcher. And something I really, really love about all these guys that we've developed is that they're all pretty much here for the long term, too. The only one whose future we are worried about is John Gray, who is a free agent at the end of the season. Great point. And I think if we can bring him back, this is a this is a rotation that we can have for a while because everyone else is here for at least a few more years. Herman Marquez, people are saying that the Rockies will trade him. They absolutely won't because he signed long-term on an incredibly team-friendly deal. Yes. There's no way they trade him. Sensatela still has lots of uh, team control years left, as does Kyle Freeland. Austin Gomber has plenty of team control left. The only one we're really worried about is, is John Gray. And even if John Gray leaves, we have some interesting pitching prospects in the works that we are developing from within. And so that's really... Uh, where I want to see us go is just keep doing that because now that everyone is pitching fairly well at home, if we can get the rotation clicking on the road like they are here, then we're in business in terms of starting pitching. I love it. Yeah, so I I like what you're both talking about with a lot of these guys. And in the past, yeah, there have been good pitchers for the Rockies. Uh, Like Max talking about, we've had Ubaldo and others. Jeff Francis a couple times. We've had Aaron Cook. You know, there's kind of been these guys, but a lot of these different rotations through history, you can only like pinpoint maybe one or two guys. We're like, oh, one guy, he's kind of leading the way. Uh, he's he's our ace, and then here's our second starter who's you no know, just as good, but maybe not you know, kind of that same level. So it's kind of been a weak spot after the two-hole in your rotation. But what we're seeing now, we've got – no depth in that rotation where you know one through four you can throw a guy out you know and have a competitive starter every start mm-hmm. you know and maybe a wild card there for that fifth start you know that fifth spot with Chichi Gonzalez who can you know maybe throw out a, a really good start five strong innings 
or he can go out and get blown up in two innings. But then you have your bullpen guys that can help out there. But you finally have depth in a Rockies rotation that they really haven't ever had. You know, they they have four to five guys that you can send out and keep your team competitive and go out and legitimately give you a chance to win every single ball right. game. You're absolutely right because I think back on history and it's like the rotation. You have Pedro Estacio and who else? You have Jeff Francis and Aaron Cook and who else? You have Jorge De La Rosa and Ulysse Chassin and who? Who do you yeah. got? But yeah. This year, Kevin Millwood. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Kevin Millwood, and I think <laughs> the rest of America did as well. But even our our depth pieces this year, in terms of like spot starts, Julio uh, Chasin and Chichi Gonzalez have been solid enough, where they are at least getting it done long enough until the bullpen can take over and have it not have to be a bullpen game. And this is something that I've complained about for years is that the Rockies lack starting pitching depth. And we're going to have even more depth with some of these guys coming up. Uh, Ryan Rollison is expected to be ready to go originally this year, but now probably next year because he had that appendicitis. Helcris mm-hmm. uh, Olivares coming through at some point and some other really quality pitching down in the minor league levels right now. And if you would like to uh, follow along with updates on our minor league progress and our prospects and things like that, our uh, sister podcast, the Pebble Report podcast, hosted by Justin Wick and Kenneth Weber, is where you want to go, as well as Sam Bradfield on the site writing our Pebble Reports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a season where, obviously, the Rockies are probably not going to make the playoffs in a season where they are struggling very much on the road. To have these highlights like the starting rotation is so great. And uh, we're going to just kind of continue to see these guys mature. We're going to continue to see these guys hone their craft. And sky's the limit for for this Rockies rotation. Let's keep it moving. Let's get to our next little bit of Rockies uh, talk, which is going to be, speaking of the future, right? Speaking of the uh, ceilings, we have officially gotten the rosters for the All-Star Weekend Futures game. For those that don't know, the Futures game is a great opportunity. Essentially, think of it as an all-star game for the minor leagues. It's a great opportunity to see some of the young and upcoming prospects from different teams. Uh, the Rockies have three representatives. That's going to be Michael Taglia, Willie McIver, and Ryan Villade. And they are going to be uh, an infielder, a catcher, and an outfielder, respectively. All three of them will be in the Futures game. So... We have a great, as as, uh, as Evan just mentioned, we got a great podcast that uh, our friends Kenneth and Justin host, the Pebble Report. They've got a great little breakdown uh, of what the Rockies minor league system looks like, so they're going to have all that great information. But just a quick little at-a-glance uh, conversation between y'all two. Uh, who are you looking forward to in the Futures game? What are you looking to see out of this? And what do you want someone that is potentially looking into the Futures game for the first time to be looking for what's what's something for a new fan or a new viewer of the futures game to really have an eye for so the futures game in general is a really great way to introduce yourself to things like prospects and farm systems if it's not something you're generally familiar with because it's a highlight of some of the prospects that are closer to being ready to go on a big league level that are being highlighted now on a national level. And there's a mm-hmm. bunch of really cool players probably outside of the Rockies. The guy I would tell people to look at is Jason Dominguez of the Yankees. This kid is incredible. He's like 18 years old. He's incredibly fast. He's one of the top prospects in the Yankee systems and he's amazing. But in the, on the Rocky sides of things, Sometimes the minor leagues can be a little impenetrable to some people because there used to be more levels of it, but there's four levels to the minor league system. And each one of those levels has to field an entire team. And, you know, sometimes people get sort of lost in all the things or it's hard to keep track of. And it's good to have just at the Futures game, here's a couple guys that are being highlighted and you can learn about them. And I really, really like the three guys that we have here this year. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just nice uh, when you have those Rockies prospects showing up just to keep an eye on for the future. You know, Michael Taglia, typically first baseman, 
Well, Rockies are still in the hunt for that new, the next Todd yes, Helton, basically. So that's that's somebody that, and Willie McIver, you know, first base and catching are kind of the, the spots that I always focus on of what's coming for the future for the Rockies because we really are still looking for those franchise corner pieces like we found in like Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, mm-hmm. uh, other guys like that, our pitching rotation. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah. Willie McIver, Willie Mack is probably the guy I am most interested to see in the Futures game. Uh, Toglia and Valade are kind of known quantities for me, at least. Valade, we saw a lot of him in spring training. Yes. And he's expected to be one of the main candidates to break camp with the Rockies next year. And quick rundown on him is that he was drafted as a shortstop, is now mostly a corner outfielder, just because the Rockies have sort of a glut of infield prospects. But he can still play shortstop if he needs to. He's got solid speed. He's working on getting his average up there, but he's got good plate discipline. Uh, And that's actually something all three of these guys have had improving plate discipline of cutting down on strikeouts and walking at more solid clips. Same with Michael Toglia, where his average is not very good, but he's hitting for power. He's walking frequently and... Uh, All three of these guys are really solid speed threats as well. Uh, Toglia has six stolen bases. Valade has stolen bases up in Albuquerque. And Willie McIver is the surprise, I would say, of the Rockies farm system this year. Because when you think about our catching prospects, the majority of people are going to go to Drew Romo, who has the potential to be one of the Rockies' single best catching prospects in team history since, I would say, Ben Petrick back in the 90s. Willie McIver came out of nowhere in high ace Spokane, slashing 286, 395, 542, with 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases. He was the first in high A West to reach double digits in both of those. He's not striking out that much. It's about a 2 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio for him. And catching is super important for this organization because we've covered it in articles on the site. We've talked about it here. Historically, catching has never been the strong point for the Rockies. We've never had an all-star catcher. We've never really had a consistent starting catcher. And the overall uh, value of our catching core from season to season tends to be very low in terms of wins above replacement. So I'm really excited to see how William McIver does. He's probably the one I'm most looking forward to just because he's less of a known quantity and he just got promoted to double A. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. I'm with you, Evan. I, I'm all in on McIver. I think uh, you mentioned, I mean, you nailed it. The catcher that's got good plate, good plate discipline. He can run. He can, he can hit. He started to figure it out. Yeah, you signed me up. I'm down for that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick ad break here. we got a lot more to cover. Make sure you stay with us. We're going to talk about a uh, kind of breakdown of June, talk about our Rockies of the month, talk about Arnado coming back. Might even get to some around the MLB stuff. We'll see what happens. But stick with us to the ad break. We'll be right back here in just a minute. We are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us through that ad break. Myself and uh, the other cohorts here in my bad batch are ready to talk some more uh, baseball, talk some more Rockies. And let's finish up our conversation about the month of June. So the month of June was very exciting for the Rockies. Not a terrible uh, record for them in the month of June. Uh, So two things I want to talk about specifically, and we'll get into each one. But first of all, I want to talk about who is your Rocky of the month. We can go by a pitcher and a position player. Who stood out to you? Who in your mind had the best month? I'll start with you, Skyler. Give me a a pitcher and give me a position player. So my pitcher... Of the month, it's got to be Armand Marquez Mm -hmm. because he just turned it up another level here in the month of June. And his stat line for the month was pretty incredible. He had a 241 ERA, gave up one home run, only allowed three runs on the month, uh, gave up 22 hits, 32 strikeouts, and nine walks in six starts. And multiple starts where he took a no-hitter uh, into the at least the fifth or sixth inning. So just dominant on the mound all month, really turning it up. And he almost had it, but Tom from the Pirates just had to get a base yeah, hit. right. And then who is your position player? 
So position player, uh, I think overall, I think Brendan Rodgers really put it together in the month of June. Uh, he's finally kind of turned around after having a really rough May yes. coming off the injured list, but really starting to put it together. And finally, I think he's feeling healthy, feeling comfortable. And I think he's finally comfortable at the big league level now that he has a specific role on the Rockies. And I'm excited to see what happens with him in the in the future. Dig it. Yeah. Uh, Evan, same guys, different guys. What do you say? I have a feeling that we're all going to be a uh, little unanimous here yeah. <laughs> for all of our decisions because, yeah, for pitcher of the month for the Rockies, month of June, it's got to be Erman. He was absolutely incredible. He really only had one bad start, and that was against a very hard-hitting Cincinnati team on June yes. 12th. It was the only game of the month where he didn't pitch more than five innings. It was the only... Uh, game in the month where he gave up more than one earned run and he he did get beaten up a little bit that game eight earned runs nine total on 12 hits but still only walked two and had five strikeouts and that was his low point for the month and yeah. one bad game in the entire month of june especially after his two final starts in the month june 23rd and june 29th where he was absolutely electric because June 23rd, he had that no-hit bid into, what was it, the 6th? And yep. then he goes, next time. I'll get it next time. And then the next time out, he holds a no-hitter bid into the ninth, mm -hmm. And still faced only one batter above the minimum. He threw a 92-pitch Maddox complete game shutout at Coors Field. And... It was incredible. The whole thing was incredible to watch. And it really, oh, it hurt so bad when Kai Tom uh, got that single, especially because right after that, uh, ground into a double play and then easy ground out for the final out to keep him from really only facing those 28, the 28 batters. Mm -hmm. But that is, even without the no-hitter, that is an incredible feat. He's the only pitcher now in Rockies franchise history to have two one-hit complete game shutouts. Not yeah. even Ubaldo did that. Not even Ubaldo did that. And, yeah, I mean, we plugged Sam's article earlier, but, yeah, there's a definite possibility that Herman Marquez is in the conversation for the best Rocky starter of all time. And, and I'm with y'all. It's got to be him for June. I mean, there's no one else on the Rockies team that had any sort of month like his. He was so, so great. Um and and then um, yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I, I'm trying to think of like another like way to add to it, but I can't. You guys both ran down his stats, and he's the guy. He has been so great. I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in July. Evan, how about a position player? Same thing as Skyler. It's got to be Brandon Rogers. He sure has shown us this is what a healthy and confident Brandon Rogers can contribute to this team as an everyday player. He in the month of June just really turned it on to the point where you felt confident about him, where you wanted to see him in the lineup every day, not just as a, we need to know what we're getting out of him by the end of the season, but a, he is good and we need to be playing him to win baseball yeah. games. And his, his defense still needs some work. He had a pretty goofy error in yesterday's ball game where some miscommunication with Trevor over at second base led to uh, an out getting overturned. But it's one of those things where he's still adjusting to defense on a major league level, and I'm not too worried about that because he's been mostly fine. But it's really at the plate where he's been contributing. Month of June slashed 308, 389, 538. That on-base percentage is really, really good. He had nine walks and only 16 strikeouts. He hit four home runs. He had four doubles. He had a triple. He looks confident. He looks healthy. And I really think it is he's got his mojo and is proving that he is part of the future of this organization going forward, be it starting shortstop, be it starting at second base. He's getting it done, and he's looking good doing it. Yeah. I will say I think you're both spot on with Trevor Story. Or excuse me, with uh, Brendan Rodgers. I will say for me, I think he is the pick, but I'm also going to give a shout out to Jonathan Daza and Rymel Tapia. 
I do believe that tra- that uh, what was his name, Trevor Brendan Rogers. <laughs> I do believe that he's the guy, and I do think that he is deservedly our Rocky of the Month. But Ryan Malatapia obviously had that unbelievable heading streak. Jonathan Daza, I'm going to keep saying it. He has been such a quiet presence for the team, but he has been so integral to their recent success. Uh, that record on the month where they went 14 and 13, it's not the most impressive record at face value, but they had such an unbelievable home record that, you know, was driven mostly by that offense. They went 12 and four at cores and obviously two and nine on the road is not great, but Jonathan does it has such a great part of this offense. Now he, he, he slots into that second spot so efficiently behind Raimel Tapia, the combination of Raimel Tapia getting a base hit, stealing second and then Daza knocking him in is automatic at this point. So while I totally agree that Brendan Rogers is probably our offensive uh, position player, Rocky of the month, I do want to give some love to both of those outfielders. I think Tapia and Daza have done such a great job of maturing and really coming into their own Tapia, you know, given some major league starts in the past, but really like officially kind of being the left field guy every day and Daza, same thing. He's been around the team, but this is his first real opportunity of like being the guy. And I think they're both really uh, shining in those roles. So yeah, I think, uh, I think you guys are spot on. Marquez has been great. Rogers has been great. Let's keep going into July. I do want to say you are so spot on about Jonathan Daza. Yeah, man. He has absolutely. And it's the same for Rogers. And it was the same for Tapia when he first got his actual opportunity is that they are earning their starting spot. Jonathan Daza has now is now mostly our starting center fielder. He played almost every single game in the month of June. And he's been hitting out of that number two spot with uh, Tapia leading off. And it really is that they are a very good tandem of pure hitters. They are not power hitters. They are just pure hitters. And it was Ryan Spielberg's who coined the nickname. And I love it is swagger and dagger (laughs) is Tapia gets on base speed threat. Yaza advances or scores Tapia speed threat. And Daza actually had a better average than Brandon Rogers. He hit 327 in June. Yeah, and, and uh, Swagger and Dagger, man, put that on a t-shirt. I'll buy it. Yeah, <laughs> keep an eye on both of those guys, man. Uh, like I said, I, I totally agree with you guys about Rogers, but uh, I don't know. For me, man, I just might even write in Daza as an all-star. Controversial take, whatever you make of it, but I really like what I'm seeing out of him. I was writing him on my ballot. Yeah. Like, I just, you know, what, well, whatever. I could sing his praises all day. We got some other stuff to get to, but I'm, I'm all in on Daza. I, I love what I'm seeing out of him right now. Last little bit of Rocky's specific news. Uh, obviously, we are finishing, as we record this podcast, we are doing our series with the um, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, this is a big moment for a lot of us, right? It's Nolan Arenado's return to Coors Field. Evan, you and I were at the game last night. We saw that video tribute. I think we both agree it was very nice, nothing too over the top, not too intense, but a very nice kind of highlight of his career with the Rockies. We heard the fan reception. Uh, Skyline and I, we were talking about this before we came on the air. Um, he went 0 for 4 in his first, you know, return to Coors Field, but really it was more about the moment. It was about that opportunity for the fans to kind of have their closure. He, um, you know, had his time to tip his cap his time to embrace the moment. And then, you know, speaking of hot players, Elias Diaz walks it off with a great, uh, you know, home run to end the game. It, it was a really cool experience for all of us. Speaking of hot players, Diaz, by the way, has been absolutely unbelievable. He's hit three home runs in three consecutive games. Who was last rocket to do that? Oh, I don't know. Just Nolan Arenado. What did you guys get out of his return? Did you like it? Did you think it was appropriate? Did you wish it was more? Do you wish it was less? Skyler, I'll start with you. What did you make of Arnaud's return to Coors Field? Well, I didn't get to go to the game like you two did. <laughs> I sat on my couch and watched it. I got it. you next time. We'll go. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was nice, and I tweeted out about this, that I, it was a really nice moment to have him have a standing ovation. Uh, it bugged me how, many, how much Cardinal Red was in the stands mm-hmm. for it, but I, I think – that was something that everybody needed because, like we talked about, we, nobody got to see him play uh, in last year with no fans in the stands. Nobody really got to watch him. And then he kind of went out unceremoniously in the last week or so of the season with that injured shoulder. And so it was just kind of anticlimactic 
when he left. And so understandably, everybody was just kind of hurt and angry about it and all the media stuff that kept coming in, all the different stories and rumors and the revelations that he was wanting out and talking even before he signed that extension and all all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And everybody was completely bitter. And then I, for me, a lot of that anger and stuff melted away as soon as seeing everybody clap and cheer. And you could see him fighting back tears and just being really emotional there. And I think it finally hit him of with everything that had gone down and how much Colorado and how much he meant to us and how much we meant to him. And so it was just a really nice moment for fans to finally get that closure to say, thank you, Nolan, for all the time that you're here. We wish you were still here. We miss you. We love you, but we want the best for you. And it's just good to see you. And finally getting that closure to say goodbye, I think really meant a lot and they'll get another chance at, the all-star game and all that sure. stuff but you know it, but i was very happy to see him go over four yeah. that was that was nice yeah <laughs> absolutely evan same thoughts so i was honestly especially when it was still going down i was very angry and i was very bitter and i was very sad about the home loan situation and it really was the same thing where over time i've really softened up and then when he was there yesterday the rest of it just melted away i stood i was part of the ovation and it was weird because you know cardinals fans travel in Coors field is unfortunately a very visitor-friendly ballpark where it was a sea of red out there there were so many cardinals fans but you could definitely hear the rockies fans over the cardinals fans with that ovation the video tribute i thought was really nice it wasn't too much um, it wasn't too little. I think it was just the right amount of uh, praise for Nolan's time here. He got a pretty good cheer when he went on field for the warm-ups for the first time. He got, I think, a reminder of just really how much we loved him here and how important he was to this organization and to the fans. And there was a guy sitting near me or walking around by my seats who was like, I don't understand why they're giving Nolan an ovation. And I had to, you know, resist the urge to turn around to snap back that maybe it's because he was here for eight years and was one of the best players in our franchise history. And despite everything, we still love him. Mm-hmm. We still adore Nolan. I wore my Nolan Arenado jersey to the game yesterday. I was happy to see him. I was thrilled that he went over because that's just sort of how it goes but it really was i think good closure now that it's officially done and i'm not sure how the rest of the series will go because at time of recording the it's only been one game into the series but it's been since the big off season it's been an emotional roller coaster in terms of the nolan arenado stuff and I think now it can finally, mostly at least, be put to rest. People are still going to debate about him leaving and whose fault it was and all that stuff. But at least on the emotional side of things, I think this finally puts it to bed. Yeah. And and, and yeah, I think you put it. It was nice. It was a good moment. Um, it was a little emotional. You know, I was at the games, first game I've been to in, you know, two plus years. Um, it was nice. I think it was just what it needed to be. I think Nolan looked like he was pretty emotional. Very classy move by Elias Diaz to go talk to Sensatella on the mound, give him that moment, you know, by himself. Nolan took a quick little lap and took took off his batting helmet to kind of acknowledge the fans. And he looked kind of emotional while he was getting ready to take his first couple cuts. So I liked it. And like Skyler said, he went over four. Perfect. As it should be, right? Uh, pretty much a non-factor in that Rockies win. So, yeah, I, I think that it'll probably be a bit more subdued uh, the rest of the series. It probably won't be as big a, quote-unquote, as big a deal, right, going forward the rest of these three games. But it was closure. It was closure for Rockies fans. It was a big deal for them to kind of have that moment of, okay, yeah, you know, it didn't end how we wanted to necessarily, but it is done with. And so that, to me, was a really nice moment. And that's it. That's the, that's the chapter closed in my book. Sure, we've got a couple more games, and... Yeah, we've got the All-Star game coming up, and that'll all be fantastic. But it is time to kind of move on, and that's a tough part of sports is that, unfortunately, we have these players that we all love. I mean, shoot, we talk about the Rockies on this podcast. We like other teams, right? We like other 
sports. There's other players that we've seen come and go from different franchises that were tough for us, but it's just one of those things that we kind of understand as part of the, the business, right? And so it was a nice moment for us. Now, now I think we can officially move into this next chapter of Rockies history post Nolan Arenado, maybe post Trevor Story, maybe post John Gray, whatever it might be. But now, you know, we, we can keep moving forward, I guess. Chin's up. So yeah, very, very nice moment. And then, yeah, I don't know. I get, I get a little bit emotional, you know, sometimes. Think about it. It's just, it's a, it was a cool moment for everybody. Anyway, all right, keep it professional. Let's move on. Uh, around the MLB, <laughs> not too much. Um, I'm going to just chug along. Not too much to talk about the MLB. Uh, Skyler and I were talking before we came on the air that it was kind of a slow week for the MLB. Uh, but one thing I did want to touch on, and these kind of these two topics kind of go together. We mentioned the All-Star game earlier. The All-Star game this season is so interesting because a lot of times the All-Star games are very much a showcase of these established veterans here. Freddie Freeman's, your Anthony Rizzo's, your Clayton Kershaw's, these kinds of cats. Not necessarily so this season. We've seen a lot of youngsters leading the All-Star game votes. Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays is leading all vote-getters. Uh, Evan, you had a stat about Fernando Tatis Jr. shoot it at me. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the first Padres starter for the All-Star game since 1999. There we go. So we're just seeing this this wave of younger players really coming into their own and leading the charge as the new sort of faces of Major League Baseball. One of them, chief among them, of course, being Shohei Otani, who is seems like he's breaking another record every other day, some record that hasn't been touched since, you know, horse tack McGee in 1901 or something. And so, you know, we, I guess what I want to ask you both is, do you believe that this is sort of the next evolution of baseball as we get all these young stars together? And then also just any individual thoughts on any of these young all-stars. If you see, you know, Otani or Vlad or Tatis or anyone that's really sticking out to you and why, what is your take and what is your opinion on the new generation of major league baseball superstars, Skyler? Uh, I, I think it's it's a bright future, and uh, it's something that I like seeing. You know, real quick about the All Star Game, I was looking at my notes, and it's like about ten or so of the elected starters. About ten of them are making their first or second All Star Game start, and you know, in the past, like we were talking about, it's always kind of been, you know, the pop. It's always been the popular mm-hmm. vote. And that's why there's that one season where it was like half the American League were Kansas City Royals. And it's just bright. It's just nice to see that people are taking notice of these superstars that are growing the game. You know, this new young generation, you know, led by you know, guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna, you know, a lot of these juniors. And, you know, guys like Shohei Otani, who I'm wearing his shirt nice. right now is you know, creating that new generation of baseball players that you know, kids today can look at and kind of begin to mold their game after. Kind of like you know, some of us growing up, they modeled after Ken Griffey Jr., uh, guys like that, or even before that, you know, these generations. And so it's nice to see guys that are cementing themselves of what kids are going to start modeling their games after for the future. And it's just fun to see you know, these guys having fun and Oh, guys that I can connect to with oh, as a 25-year-old and you know, feel like I can look at these guys in awe and enjoy what they're doing for the yeah, game. Definitely. Evan? I really agree with the fact that it's really cool to have all these young guys coming in and shaking up how we look at the game and how a great example of things um changing is people really starting to rebel against the unwritten rules of baseball yes and fernando tatis and uh jr and vladi jr have been big parts of that because they have so much swagger in their game and i'm not a huge padres fan just because the nl west rivalry but you've got to admit that fernando tatis jr is the face of the game right now 
and all these other young guys making their first all-star appearance or second all-star appearance. Uh, Adam Frazier of the Pirates, Ronald Acuna of the uh, Braves. Even some surprising guys like uh, Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos of the Reds, who are not as young as some of the other folks starting, but it's their first all-star mm-hmm. appearance. And it's really, really cool to see. And, you know, this year's all-star game has a solid mix of these newer all-stars and some of your elder statesmen. And we'll run down the uh, overall starting rosters in a little bit. But I love seeing new faces. I love seeing new talent. I love seeing what the future of the game is. And... This is, I think, one of those ideal outcomes. Even internationally, I think it's super important because so Shohei Otani is the starting designated hitter in his incredible season, and he's the first uh, Japanese player to start the All-Star game since Ichiro in 2010. And that's great for the international growth of Major League Baseball. And it's great for... On the American side of things... Um, players you don't or wouldn't normally associate with MLB stardom is we don't really get a ton of Japanese players over here who rise to the levels of superstardom that Ichiro and Shohei Otani do. But maybe this will inspire some folks to come over and give it a try. It's the same with all these young players who this is what the MLB needs to push and market is these young exciting faces show people that baseball is fun and exciting and look at all these cool young guys and maybe one day you could be one of those cool young guys making their first all-star appearance i think you nailed it with the last thing you just said i mean what's the what's the whole thing about athletes right is when you're kids you look up and you say maybe i want to be that guy and i think that's so cool about this all-star game and just the general scouts are like the landscape of baseball. Most teams, the majority of all teams in Major League Baseball have a young player that is a superstar or on his way to superstardom, right? We can list them all here. And, I'll, and like Evan said, we got the All-Star Game rosters pulled up, so we'll get into those in just a second. But that's part of it for me is all these great, exciting young players. Some of them, shoot, 20 21 years old? Are you kidding me? And yet they're ruling this sport. If there's one thing I wish Major League Baseball would do a better job of, it's marketing their young stars, um, which is a conversation for a whole other podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's great for the game. And and there are some veterans, right? There are some names that you will definitely recognize. But I think that it's great to see this wave of young talent. It's going to be around for years, years from now, that we will be you know, commenting on and watching them grow and shoot, maybe even get better as terrifying and prospect as that is seeing some of these guys get even better as they mature. I think it's awesome. I think it's great for the game. I love to see it. Now, if only the uniforms were worth the price. Anyway, let's finish this up. Let's get into these all-star rosters. I'm going to run down the rosters for the NL and the AL. And then just a quick thoughts on each. If anyone surprises you, or if anyone should be in there that's not, or what have you. We'll start with the National League. Catcher is Buster Posey. First base is Freddie Freeman. Second base is Adam Frazier. Third base is Nolan Arenado. Shortstop is Fernando Tatis Jr. And the outfield is Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. Evan and Skyler, any surprises? Anyone missing? Any snubs? What do you got for this? I really like Adam Frazier getting that recognition at second base for the Pirates because – like, like I mentioned before, the All-Star game always felt like it was just going to be a popularity contest. Uh, and this year, it actually feels like the guys that were deserving, uh, for the most part, got in and got the starting spot and the fans mm-hmm. took notice. So I'm really happy for Adam Frazier because, yeah, he he's had a phenomenal season for the Pirates uh, there at second base. And uh, good on him, beating out Ozzie Albies and yeah. Gavin Lux. That was a task. He's really deserving, really deserving and happy for him and Vladdy Jr., Otani, Jesse Winker, all three guys I have on my fantasy team. Nice, nice. That always helps. Good stuff. (laughs) Evan, how about the National League? So 
a little sad that there are no starting Rockies for the first time in a long time. Right. It's it's tough. But I think all of these guys who got named to the team are incredibly deserving. Mm -hmm. Especially Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker of the Reds, who have been two of the best hitters in baseball this season. They've both have been absolutely incredible. Uh, Nolan Arenado, I think we all knew he was going to be the starting third baseman sure. for the All the National League this year. I don't think it was really even much of a contest. My surprise one is actually Buster Posey, because I don't think any of us expected him to sort of return to form. In 2019, he was still working on coming back of injuries. He didn't look like himself anymore. We were starting to wonder if he was maybe done. Right. 2020, he did not play. He opted out due to the pandemic. And then he's come back here in 2021 and has looked absolutely incredible. He looks like his old self again. He's got 12 homers and is hitting 330, 418, 560. This is the guy who was such a threat in San Francisco for so many years. And I like Buster Posey. I may not like the Giants, but I like Buster Posey. And it's really nice to see him return to form. And I think it's cool that he's made his way back to the All-Star game. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd asked me at the start of the season who I thought would be catching in the All-Star game, I would have told you JT Romuto of the Phillies. But he's really had kind of a down season by his standards, hitting just 264, just seven homers, 29 RBIs. Buster Posey, meanwhile, like you said, he's really come back strong. To your points, Jesse Winker, unbelievable. You know, not a name that maybe all baseball fans were familiar with prior to the season, but he's slashing 322, 400, 587 with a 987 OPS. He is slugging right now. And then to Skyler's point with Adam Frazier, Adam Frazier is currently hitting, as we record today, you know, as with everything, uh, 326 on the season. That's nutty. That's a, that's a pretty high batting average for a Pirates team, especially, that's not very good overall. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think the National League's pretty much spot on. Yeah, it would have been nice to see someone like Rymac get the nod, but I totally get, you know, these guys are where they need to be. And then we'll wrap it up with the American League, all-star starters. So, American League, you mentioned Shohei Otani is the designated hitter. The catcher is Salvador Perez. First base is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Second base is Marcus Simeon. Third base is Rafael Devers. Shortstop is Xander Bogarts. And then the outfield is Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and Teoscar Hernandez. I'll start with you this time, Evan. Surprises, snubs, where are you at in the American League? The surprise for me has to be Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah. Because he's one of those... It's his first All-Star game. And... I don't think... I think the voting was very, very close... Um, in the outfield for the American League, because you knew that one of those spots was going to be Mike Trout. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Judge was a certainty, but he was more likely to, to get the votes. But there have been so many other really good outfielders in the American League who were definitely deserving of spots. Uh, Cedric Mullins of Baltimore, the rookie Adolis Garcia out of Texas. They've both been absolutely fantastic. But uh, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, we knew he was a talented guy, but he really has started pushing into his own as part of a, a really pretty talented Blue Jays lineup. Yeah. And I'm really happy to see him there. I think I probably would have picked over him or maybe even over Judge, Cedric Mullins, or Adolis Garcia, I think they definitely deserve spots. Mm -hmm. Cedric Mullins has been incredible out in Baltimore. He's been the reason to watch Orioles baseball. Yeah. Um, uh, Devers and Bogarts, both of the Red Sox in the roster, have both been really, really good this season. They both had my vote. And then I am really, really, really happy to see Sal Perez as the starter behind the dish for the American league. He's another one of those guys like Buster Posey, where he's the elder statesman coming into this season. And you didn't really know where he was at, but he has 19 home runs. He's slugging 515. He's really good. And I've always really liked Sal. Yeah. So it's nice to see him. Absolutely. My pops is a huge Salvador Perez guy. So Pop, if you're listening, he's in there, man. Uh, Sally Perez is, is a lot of fun to watch. Plus, it's just, uh, just a tank. 
you know, he's just this huge, strong, strapping catcher. He's got an absolute howitzer for an arm. Love watching him go. Skyler, American League, you got any thoughts? Uh, I think the thing that I like the most is just seeing the Blue Jays he'll have three yeah. starters for the All-Star game, uh, especially Vladdy, Vladdy Jr., uh, seeing him come up, I know he's been highly tuned in. It's final. It's good to finally see him putting mm-hmm. it together you know, and doing these insane things. You can look up the, these stats, comparing him to his dad through however many, through like the first 250 games or whatever, and just seeing what he's doing at such a young age and really living up to that hype and living up to the name of Vladimir Guerrero. So I'm glad to see him uh, nab all the, the most votes. And then also Marcus Simeon oh, getting that start. Uh, it was kind of a questionable move when he signed with Toronto to play second base, and especially for as much money as he did. And people are like, well, what are they doing? But it's paying off. He's been having a phenomenal season and really setting himself up for a nice payday in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, but, and then also Teoscar Hernandez. But also Shohei Otani. Great to see him as the DH. I hope they also get oh. him into pitch just to have that little How piece cool of history be? because because he deserves it. He's doing it on both sides of the ball. The reason that's the reason he's an all star doing it on both sides. And so give him that opportunity. So bend the rules a little bit in the all star game. Let him pitch. Let him hit, and just have fun. But I'm really happy with how the All-Star Game rosters turned out this year. American League is a little bit more predictable. Even though Mike Trout's injured, it, it, you could have almost just told him on the opening day of the season that you're going to be the starting right. center fielder <laughs> for the season. But I'm happy with the All-Star voting this season. Turned out pretty I'm good. with you guys. I think the All-Star rosters can occasionally turn into a bit of a popularity poll. Um, but I really do think that these guys deserve to be here on both sides. There are representatives from all across the league. You know, the Pirates are not a very good team, but Adam Frazier's in there. The Blue Jays are not in first place, but they've got three representatives out there. You know, you've got all these first-time all-stars, and you've got a pretty good mix of, like we said at the start of the segment, right? We said that we've got a pretty good mix of these established veterans and some newer players. So I am also very happy with these all-star selections. Um, that is going to do it for today. Uh, thank you both as always. Fantastic stuff. Definitely, uh, as always, listeners, please keep an eye on purplerow.com. We've got daily news and articles from all of uh, ourselves, myself, Skyler, and Evan, as well as the other great staffers on the Purple Row team. Skyler, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at, at sideline underscore crowd. A lot of good gifts and interactions. I have a lot of fun over there. Yeah, he does. And Evan. You can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. You can also hit us up on the official Affected by Altitude Twitter page, which is at Altitude Effect. Bang. And you can find myself at Cormac, C-O-R-M-A-C, Battle Pro, where I talk wrestling and baseball and pretty much nothing else. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us. As always, appreciate all of the engagement. Uh, we will catch you guys same time next week. Skyler, hit him with it. Farewell. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>